Welcome to the WFNY CornerCast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to WFNY CornerCast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and they dare I say, an integral part of the Waiting for Next Year community. Today is uh, July 28th. You'll be hearing this tomorrow morning, uh, July 29th. And I am joined tonight by uh, Mitch the Traveler and Farmer Ethan for this week. How are you guys doing? That's my new epithet, Mitch the Traveler? I, that's Mitch the Traveler. You were gone for a couple weeks. You were out. So that's why I, Mitch the Traveler. I'll I think mean, of something else for you eventually. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just not apt. It's fine. Like, Right. I just like don't travel that much. And like, it's not particularly like negative. Not, okay, that was bad. Farming is perfectly acceptable. It's just that Ethan has a strong negative feeling about being called a farmer. Right. Whereas like for me, like being a traveler is like very worldly. It's worldly. It is worldly was the word that went to, that went to mind. Very it's an first objectively off, so. like good thing for everyone. It's just not. Yeah. Now in my defense, I also don't farm nearly as much as Mitchell travels. But I will say there is something very Odyssean about Mitch the Traveler that has a really nice ring to it, and I would not be upset about that. It does feel like the the nickname you pick up in like uh, like a Skyrim game or something like, oh, you're Mitch the Traveler from, from long come, from long travel distance. You know, I don't know. Anyway. You read about him in scrolls and right. dungeons. Right. This kind of like Johnny Appleseed. Like you just hear, you don't know if Johnny Appleseed was actually even real, but you know the story of Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. So, all right. Well, guys, we are doing good, obviously. Uh, and uh, if you can do good and look good in your breakingtea.com t shirts, um, today is not the day that I get to wear one on the podcast, but it will happen and I will make it happen. I promise. Uh, breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. Check out your Guardians gear, Browns gear, Cavs gear that's there. A um, whole bunch of new Cleveland shirts. Uh, again, the Trust and Tito, uh, Josh Naylor's shirt, uh, Jose, Jose, Jose. A whole bunch of stuff on there for breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. Still no Emmanuel Classe. I will have to message uh, guys over Breaking Tea, but get on a... Uh, Emmanuel Classe, the, the cutter uh, shirt or something. That's that's what he's known for. So, guys, it is the trade deadline. This is our trade, our pre-trade deadline pod. Um, the de- trade deadline is uh, August second this year. Um, so let's do some quick news and notes, and then we will just pretty much pepper the uh, the trade talk for tonight. Um, news and notes. Uh, currently, as of now, the Guardians are a game and a half back of the Minnesota Twins in the Central. I did not actually look and see what their uh, wild card standings were, but uh, we've long talked about the division being the way that they're probably going to make it, even though there are three teams there. Um, how are you, What is your general feel of the uh, of the team right now? One and a half back. Uh, Ethan mentioned in our private chat two games back in the of the third wild card spot. Uh, how are you guys feeling about the team currently? Um, you know, I think like this team this year is such found money. You know, like no one expected this team to uh, 
make it. No one expected this team to compete for the playoffs. The youngest team in Major League Baseball. We've harped on it all year. Um, so, like, the fact that we can say, hey, we're sitting here under five games out of playoff spot. Like, or two, if, they, if tonight's score holds and they end up losing to the Red Sox and splitting the series, uh, then they'll be two games behind Minnesota for the wild card. Um, I mean, come on. End of July, two games out of the division? Like, and found money? Like, this has been a great year. Like, there's, for sure. Yeah. And, like, if they don't add – we're going to get into this a lot. But if they don't add, like, significantly to the major league roster at the offseason – or, sorry, at the trade deadline, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, this team is yes. is in a great position. Ethan, how are you feeling? What is your uh, state of the of the uh, Guardians? I'm going to say the Tribe. State of the Guardians. In shock a little bit, if I'm being completely honest, because this team is still playing well above its head. I don't know if any of the three of us here imagined a scenario where they're three games over 500, two games back of a wild card and a game and a half, game and a half back of the division at the end of July, and the bats are carrying the team. Right. In the topsy-turvy world where the pitching is pedestrian, for lack of a better word, that they've had six rookies come up and contribute, that, yes, Jose Ramirez has done Jose Ramirez things, but they've plugged and played practically everywhere else without, you know, Miles Straw was absent for six weeks. Framio Reyes is about as useful as Austin Hedges right now, so... I, I think shocked is rude right to right. Austin Hedges. I say, I'm like that's a backhanded compliment on Austin Hedges. Yeah, it's exactly. not wrong, but it's 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 accurate on both parts, Brand Mill and Austin. Zach Granke has a better career batting line than Austin Hedges does. That's all I'm going to say. Career? Yes. Then Austin Hedges' career? Yes. Zach okay, Granke has. I'm, a better... I'm looking this up right now while you keep talking. That's not that weird though. He spent a lot of time in the NL. He did. I, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's definitely shocking when you say it, but as much time as he played in the NL, he, I, I'm not terribly surprised by that. You should be very surprised, but anyway, continue. Anyway. Um, I mean, okay. Okay. Hold on. All right. I've got it pulled up. Austin Hedges career WRC plus 56, Zach Rinke's career WRC plus 59. That's truly embarrassing to Austin Hedges. That's not good. That's not what you want. Um, I do agree with your. I tweet your photo every time that you hit a home run, but yeah, I I, I had to take that shot. Yeah, uh, your your point, Ethan. I I think I agree with everybody. Not only has this found money, but the offense is what's doing it for the team. We coming into the season, we talked about it last week, Ethan. That uh, the bullpen was the one that we had the most question marks about, but really the rotation has not been anywhere near as. Uh, studly as we thought it was going to be um bieber has pitched well but he hasn't been shane bieber uh tristan mckenzie's made the step up but everyone else in that rotation is either sputtering along uh perpetually injured like aaron savale or uh zach Blazak. so um you know it's it's not what uh not you want speaking of aaron savale and permanently injured uh he is currently on the il um the spot in his Rotation uh, came up this week and was uh, a bullpen day. Uh, that was Tuesday's game. Um, I you, We would think Connor Pilkington would be the likely one to be called up. However, he got sent down, optioned down on Saturday. And I believe option rules still state that he can't be uh, called back until 
10 days uh, without injury. So um, he got called up after Aaron Savali's injured, uh, injured, got placed on the injured list, meaning that he couldn't be the fill-in at that point. So it's going to be a, a, a bit still before he's able to come in. It might possibly work out to where he would uh, be the, the likely fill-in if it's not Connor Pilkington, uh, Pilky Smooth, Connor with a K. Uh, who do you guys think would be the one that uh, fills the IL spot for Savale? Go ahead, Ethan. I think at least for one turn through the rotation, just based on how that bullpen day went in Boston, Kirk McCarty has probably earned himself another shot. Yeah. To at least one time through the rotation until that ten day window is passed and Pilkington can slide back in. But I mean, in a game that Brian Shaw started and went two and a third innings, pause for dramatic effect two because a, that was a two sentence and a third. I just said. Two and a third. That, that was a sentence that I just said. Uh, but for for McCarty to come out and give them four scoreless, eat up the middle innings, and you know it, it's. It's a watered-down Red Sox team dealing with a boatload of injuries to some significant names. But McCarty got his first career win, and he earned it. And it might be enough for this coaching staff to be like, you're going to get one more shot at it as long as you're here. And, like, piggybacking off of that, like, I think the – yeah, Kirk McCarty um, did well, and I really liked the opener situation, too. Like, it doesn't have to be Brian Shaw going two and a third. Like – that maybe is a lot to ask him to do again, but like, I do think that he is someone that makes sense to be with an opener, like have him go one and a half times the order. He can face the bottom of the order twice and the top of the order once. Um, right. And that gets you, you know, 18 batters, which is about what you're hoping for from a starter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I don't see why it wouldn't be him. Right. Yeah, that makes the most sense. If it's not going to be Pilkington, Pilkington seems to be the sixth guy. Um, you know, there's talk on Guardians Twitter of Battenfield, or um, obviously there's the uh, break glass in case of emergency of the one and only Logan Allen and uh, Hunter Gaddis and things like that. But I don't think they want to pull that lever just yet. Um, and Pilkington is is more likely the way they'll go with a bullpen day if if of the rules are keeping it from it happening. Um, guys coming back last, uh, last one. And then, like I said, we will get to our trade talk. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez is on a rehab assignment in Akron. Um, he's been doing okay. I know he's, I saw he got a walk, I think two days ago and got a hit last night. Don't know how he is doing today. and did not check to see for reasons, whatever my own. Um, you don't have to explain yourself. Yeah. That's fine. I'm, uh, yeah. yeah. It's just, I'm busy. We like you and believe in you. We believe in you. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, but I, I did see that the the plan is for him to uh, play a full nine innings on Saturday and see where it goes from there. Um, what, obviously, we are going to talk about the the trades and players that could be gone and, and making holes. What do you guys think is the plan with Oscar Gonzalez when he is healthy enough to return and needs activated? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think Oscar Gonzalez, like, Oscar Gonzalez is a cool story because he's an organizational guy. He was always young for his age. He always had a serious flaw at the plate, which is that he was a free swinger um, with immense power, 
uh, but a free swinger nonetheless. And then he came up here and, and was way more selective than I think we all thought. Right. Um, but as we like have continued to go the season, maybe he's showing his free swing tendencies a little more. Like, I would not be devastated if, like, say, Oakland was inquiring about him, and you know, it seems like this could be a high point in terms of his value. Um, it would not devastate me if they traded him, especially with Nolan Jones coming up and doing well, and with like the prospect pedigree for him. Um, yeah, I mean. I, I like the guy. I really do. And if he came up and had success with the Guardians, I would be really happy. I'd be rooting for him. But, like, it does seem to make logical sense to me if you remove all sentimentality to, like, see what you can get for him on the trade market. Yeah. I can agree with that. Ethan, what are you uh, – were you uh, slotting in the OG? Mitch t- touched on the, the major point here is that I think Nolan Jones has claimed the right field job, at least for right now. Yeah. So there's only a handful of options. Either you activate him and report him to AAA Columbus where there's already a logjam. You bring him up as the fourth outfielder and you make some type of corresponding move, whether that's finally demoting one of Ernie or Owen to make room for him to be an off-the-bench kind of player because he has been valuable for the Guardians this year. Uh, or he's done enough that somebody wants him as a throw-in trade chip tacked onto the end of a trade that hopefully helps this team compete. But at the end of the day, it's more likely that he's moved or removed from just to alleviate some of the stress on the 40-man roster by August 2nd. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I it When he came up, and we've talked about it, I expected him to be a two-week kind of flyer and and be shuffled back out, but he came up and, and hit the ground running and broke, proved himself and, and made himself some value, whether it be for this team or for others. And I do think that there's a, a spot for him in the major leagues. And uh, I hope, I hope it's with Cleveland. I don't expect it to be because I think that there are guys that are possibly outside of the organization coming in or guys that are coming up from the minors that have higher ceilings, uh, a more, uh, balanced track record that uh he's just kind of fodder at this point so right i mean like i guess you can imagine a situation where naylor's dhing jones at first and gonzalez at right full time but yeah i mean that's not even considering valera and that's not know. that's not considering owen miller that's not considering friend mill that's you know right. i mean there there's a lot of other options that are out and, there that- and as you pointed out, like there is a good opportunity here. Like as much as we enjoy like investing time and playing time into these young players, like you know, if you can trade for uh, not Juan Soto, but like a real, I don't know, say like Ramon Laureano and have like Quan Straw Laureano outfield, like that'd be absolutely killer. So like yeah. that's what you do. And then you put Jones at first base and Naylor DHing. Yeah, I mean, it, you can make it fit, but it's just like you're not going to play all the young guys this whole time. And it does just right. feel like Oscar Gonzalez is the odd man out. Yep. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe. 
and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Okay, so let's move on. Um, I broke these up into sections, kind of like uh, Zach Meisel did in on The Athletic. Um, if you are, have a subscription, go ahead and look at some of his stuff that he's had. He's had some really great things. But um, So I, I did this as most likely to get dealt Major League Edition. So um, the four guys that I mentioned here, uh, Ahmed Rosario, Fran Mil Reyes, Shane Bieber, Zach Plezak. Um, I don't think that they are going to trade out of the bullpen, and I don't think they're going to trade off of the major league infield. Um, the minors, I do think that's a possibility, but major league, it, it's kind of that glut of, well, I guess I, I did mention Ahmed, um, but uh, it, it's if they're trading away from the major leagues, it seems to be the pitching staff. Um, if they've maybe said, this is it for Shane Bieber and, you know, He's uh, getting out of here. Rumors abound about Zach Plezak. Um, and we've talked about trading trading at the lowest point for Fred Mill. Um, but uh, who do you guys think is the most likely to get dealt out of this? Uh, what's a four? It's a, it's a trio. What's, what's a, it's not a quattro. What's a trio? What's a quartet? Quartet. Quartet. Good job. Thank you guys. Out of this quartet of major league players. Ethan? I think, I think the only one that makes any logical sense is Plesak. And it's not to say that Bieber and Ahmed don't have value, obviously Bieber significantly more, but for a couple of reasons why those other guys don't make the most sense in the world, Ahmed has really cemented himself as a clubhouse leader. And I don't think it's enough for the team to want to extend him when his service time is up but it is enough for them to keep him until that expires. I, I think if they moved Ahmed at the deadline, you'd have um, a Seattle Mariners moved Kendall Graveman at the deadline last year, and the players were very upset with Jerry DePoto for that move when Seattle was surging and in the midst of a playoff hunt. So I, I think that would be a relatively similar move. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier today, I forget who it was from, but it was reporting that all three, the Twins, White Sox, and Guardians were big in the pitching market, looking for an arm, and that all three think they have a chance to win the division, as all three teams would. If they're big in the pitching market and looking to add, I don't think you move Shane Bieber, because the goal would be to have somebody to pair one-two with him. Fran Miller's values at its lowest. I'm not even going to touch on that. But Plezak has been torched by some really poor run support this year. And his losses have been bad. Yes, he's given up some games where he's had chunk runs given up. But a lot of times it feels like he's losing games 3-2, 2-1, that kind of deal. For whatever reason, the guys just don't swing the bat when he's on the mound. So there has been some value to Plezak this year. And for a team that might be looking to retool, not rebuild, with a couple of years of control, please Zach might be able to fetch you something. Yeah. yeah. Three years of three years of control on please Zach. He's entering his uh, 2023 will be his first arbitration year. Three, three years um, after this year to be clear. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so mm-hmm. three and a half is what they, we always call it at this point in time. So and it's uh, actually 
Quantrill is under the same amount of team control. I know Plesak's been the name that's been tossed around lately. Uh, but really, if you're the Guardians, I mean, those guys, neither of them has a particularly high ceiling. They're both kind of innings eaters. I think you take whatever you can get for either of them. Like, not both. I'm not saying they're going to go out here and trade two. Right. Nation. But, like, if Oakland is, like, we love Quantrill, or if, like, I don't know, Pittsburgh's, like, we love Plesak, like, you're going to give the guy, you know, whichever one they love. For sure. I expressly forbid the Guardians from trading Cal Quantrill this season simply because, Mitchell, you and I still have our outstanding bet that Cal's mm-hmm. going to win 10 games with an ERA of 3.7. He's How's not he that far that? off of that right now. He's got He's seven got or eight 3.9 wins. And- ERA, but at 3.97 and every like peripheral makes it look like it's going to get worse. I'm still so. pretty comfortable with my side. He wasn't okay. that far off after I'm his feel- last start. I'm, I'm feeling great about my side. Uh, <laughs> But no, I, I mean, I think he can still finish. I, I would feel fine with continuing the bet even if he got traded. But regardless, um, yeah, I could see either of those guys getting traded. It does seem like they're not going to trade Ahmed Rosario this season. Yeah. Um, he is hitting. Uh, it's not like there's an obvious replacement, and they have stayed in the running. Um, I guess there is an obvious replacement. He's already on the major league roster. His name's Andre Jimenez. He's the best defender on the team. Um, but... Um, Miles Straw takes offense to that, sir. <laughs> Miles Straw, g- glove first. No, platinum uh, glove. Miles Straw. Thanks, yeah, takes, know, a, takes offense. I'll take. I'll take. Uh, I'll take Jimenez. But I, I do agree that Straw and, and Hedges could both be could take that claim as well. Um, regardless, and even Quan. Quan's excellent. But anyway, um, no, I think. Um, you know, it just doesn't make much sense to trade him now, unfortunately, unless someone blows you away. Like, if Oakland is like, we want Ahmed Rosario in our Sean Murphy trade, uh, you're going to give him Ahmed Rosario because, like, you can right. you can build a good infield without Ahmed. Um, but it just doesn't make too much sense because he is a guy who um, adds the identity of this offense. He is, like, when you think of this team, he, this is a team that does not strike out a lot. It is a team that runs the base as well. It is a team that hits for contact. And that is Ahmed Rosario. So he's not the best guy on the team at that. He's not even the third best guy at the team on, on the team at that. But he does uh, fill that role. Uh, they're probably not going to trade him. This offseason could be a different story. But yeah, I, I think the Ahmed trade is coming in the winter and with one year left um, I of team control. I don't believe that it'll be in season this year. Um, there was obviously we talked about it. We've talked about it all year as being likely, um, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Um, friend mill, just rounding it out real quick. Friend mill, uh, two years of, of control after this year, his arm two and three years. Um, as Ethan touched on, it's his, his value is in the basement right now. Um, and there's other guys like OG or Naylor that can be, DHing for him. Um, so I think that he's, I think if there's a team that approaches them with friend mill with something that's better than a double a prospect, you know, it, it's likely that he's maybe gone or as a throw in on something else. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't see friend mill as being the building block that we originally thought that he was at this point. And um, it's sad, but 
we're uh, we're I, I think the team is moving on from that. So uh, most likely to get dealt in the minor league edition. Uh, this is a little bit of a beefier list because obviously we're going from, from more players. Um, I have listed here Tyler Freeman, Daniel Espino, uh, the one and only Logan Allen, Will Benson, George Valera, Bo Naylor. Uh, are there any names that I that we've heard, you know, or seen bandied about as possible guys that I missed, or who do you think is the most likely to get dealt out of these? Go ahead, yeah, I mean, I don't have. I'm I'm not a guy who's a predictor. I don't like to predict specific things. Um, but what I will say is, um, they're gonna they're gonna trade away. Like I said with the police act and Quantrill situation. Like they're gonna trade away whichever prospects the other team is willing to give back the biggest return for. Um, that's just how these things go. Um, so that's what's gonna happen. If a team wants George Valera and they're giving up Juan Soto, like guess what? Like they're getting George Valera. That's just how it goes. Right. It's like it's not a matter of like what the Guardians want to give up. It's a matter of what they want to get in return and what it's gonna cost. Um the one thing I will say, the most likely players, plural, to get traded away are middle infielders just because, A, they have so many of them, and, B, they have such a reputation with developing them. Uh, you have to think that, like, if a team is targeting specific prospects, there's a pretty darn good chance it's a middle infielder. So from for that, I would say, like, a Rokio is probably pretty likely uh, because Arias uh, – uh, I always say, I want to say Arias, but it's Arias, right? Arias. I believe it's Arias, yeah. Uh, Arias' uh, value is pretty low right now relative to where it was six months ago. Yes. Um, Tana as well is not as valuable as he was six months ago. Um, Angel Martinez is a name to watch maybe being traded. He's in high A right now, and he's quite good. He's like 6'2", 6'3", skinny, room to grow. Um, good defender, a little stiff, I've heard, but seems like a good prospect. Um and yet another middle infielder. So that's what I would say. Just like look for good middle infield prospects to be traded. Ethan? Yeah, I'll simplify that a little bit further. Um, in a perfect world, if Cleveland had their choice, if you're a prospect on the 40-man roster right now, you're available. And it's it's something that needs to happen to avoid a further 40-man roster crunch headache coming up this winter if they don't unload some of these guys. And that means you're going to sell off some players that you never get the opportunity to really see what they're worth in salt in a Cleveland uniform, right? So Tyler Freeman's going to be on that list. Jose Tana, who Mitchell already mentioned, is going to be on that list. There are players that I would like to keep that are on the 40-man, like Brian Rocchio. I'm very high on him. But it, prioritizing who is going to be moved Cleveland is going to work on those guys that are on the 40 that aren't part of the major league future, even a Richie Palacios type. That's going to mean that will Brennan will Benson, some of the pitching, depending on who is the ask for the player those guys are going to be kind of swept under the rug until they absolutely have to throw them in because they need to make room for other guys that are going to join in December. Right. Um, you know, I, I really don't think the team wants to move Bo Naylor at all. I think this year is cementing him as the future and Cleveland would really like to find a catcher that pairs with him that will eventually pass the reins over like a Sean Murphy. Um, I wouldn't even be upset with maybe like a Carson Kelly from Arizona, but we'll get to those kinds of moves in a moment. Um, 
So I think they're really going to try and prioritize players, especially ones that net them value in return that are already on the 40. Yeah, I agree. Um, of that, you know, I Tyler Freeman is the one that I, I think is the most likely to be in a different organization come next Wednesday. Um, just being that he's so close and as we've already previously stated, Andre seems to be locked in at second base. Ahmed seems to be locked in at shortstop. There's not really a spot for him. He is playing third base today in Columbus. The Columbus has been playing a lot of weird stuff with uh, positions. They've had Will Benson at first base and Tyler Freeman at, at third. Um, not generally where he's at, but um, so that I don't know if they're just trying different things or what, but um, he's definitely one that I think guys like Valera and Espino, I think they're going to keep their hands off unless to keep teams away from them, unless there is a, a really big trade like a Reynolds or a Soto, but um, Murphy, Kate Murphy, um, those kind of guys. So we'd um, also be remiss not to mention uh, John Kenzie Noel because power is sexy. Chicks and opposing GMs dig the long ball, and it seems like that's all that guy does. And he's currently eating up a space on the forty-man roster. He's a man without a position. I just saw that he's now classified as an outfielder despite entering the year as either a first baseman or a third baseman. Um, so it seems like they're just trying to find wherever they can to stick him, but he's, I mean, his home run pace is historic. I don't know what he's on right now, but it feels like every other day he's hitting one or two bombs for the Akron rubber ducks. The Akron Jojos tonight. Our, our WFNY Dave Sterling is at the game. So shout out yeah. to him. One other thing to mention um, is that, it really depends on the makeup of the trade, who they're trading with, et cetera. Like there are tons of teams that have like roster crunches and if, including the guardians, of course, but like say they do two trades and one is like a Sean Murphy trade where they trade away four guys on the 40 man for Sean Murphy. Uh, you could also see them trading away guys, not on the 40 man making trades with say the Rays or the pirates. I think have, eh. there are like several teams. I can't remember exactly other than the Rays. But they're oh the Rangers have a huge forty man crunch. They're a big one this year. Like, like it just depends. The Guardians have so many good, valuable players at every level in the major league system and on the forty man in the minors and off the forty man not yet rule five eligible in the minors. That it really like anyone could be traded. Like there is, I don't think there is any. I don't like predictions because I really don't think there's any way to predict it. It's just about what the other team wants and like what the Guardians think they can. Yeah, I, I do agree. Um, so I wanted to go to our next segment. Got lost on my own rundown. Uh, biggest trade target that would be coming back to Cleveland. Um, obviously, I don't like I, I I will get into fake trades that could be real. Uh, and it, it's honestly it's something I don't like doing because of the same way for Mitch. But um, these are guys that you want that you would want to see and realistically obviously you know i mentioned uh juan soto here i mentioned uh sean cake murphy brian reynolds uh wilson Contreras, uh pablo lopez um blake snell has been mentioned um as well as ian happ has been mentioned coming to cleveland um there's other names out there you know ethan mentioned that pitching has been out there so there's 
maybe a Luis Castillo or a Tyler Malley from Cincinnati, other names. Uh, who is your biggest target that you want uh, that's out there to uh, be in a Guardians uniform? I'm not going to answer your question because you all know my answer. Um, I'm going to uh, – actually, it's Sean Murphy. Uh, but no, but what I want to say is that I'd not to like disagree with Ethan too hard to, to our beloved uh, Ethan, our beloved farmer over there. Um, but I just can't see this team investing serious assets in pitching, outside pitching. Like when you have an organization that has been so, so good at creating pitchers, like we're at like the worst the rotation's been in a long time. And it's like, oh, it's a league average rotation and they have like a crap ton of prospects coming up. Like I just can't see them trading significant assets um, for pitching when they've been able to create it so consistently and when they've had such a hard time creating position players uh, from their own system. Um, so as much as it seems like it would be a big help now, uh, it doesn't feel like it would be such a big help into the future. Whereas like getting a Sean Murphy, like even if Bo Naylor absolutely continues to terrorize pitchers at the major league level, um, guess what? Like then you just have two catchers that hit like first base. You just got two good catchers. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, one of them's going to have to DH sometimes. Ah, gosh, darn it. Like that's a good problem. Um, So I just can't see them trading for a pitcher because they'd have to give up a lot and they can probably develop their own pitching just fine. Uh, To answer your question, Sean Murphy, uh, to make the fake trade, let's say Zach Plesak. Um, That's coming up. We have things coming for that. Okay. It's not yet. Sorry. Hold on. Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. Uh, to your point, I, Ethan did say mm-hmm. pitching. He did not say starting pitching. Regardless. I and and I and this list does not actually uh, contain any start any relief pitchers, just because one. There's so many names out there that could possibly be dealt that I would list off like 13 guys. But um, yeah, it, there's guys like David Robertson that could be uh, potentially out there. David Bednar, we've talked about before. Um, not real sure. So, uh, but Ethan, go ahead and give me your target that you would like. So there's one rule and one rule only for this year no rentals. Whatever you do this season, you do not give up anything of significant value for a player whose contract is expiring this season. You are not in a position to do that. There are better options available for you. So the goal is at least one more year for anybody else that you retire. And there's other names that didn't make this list that I would consider like uh, like a Frankie Montas, if you could man- manage to maybe package him with Sean Murphy, maybe if you go after him independently. You know, I, I know to Mitch's point, yes, this organization develops pitching at an elite clip. They really do. But it's not quite ready. So maybe if you find a guy that has a year and a half to two and a half years of control that can be there for whoever you don't trade away to better yourself in this window right now to be ready, then you can go get it. So my answer is Miami starting pitcher, Pablo Lopez. I've been a big fan of this guy for a couple of years now. 
uh, obviously the last couple of years he was he had so much team control left that his price would have been astronomical. But this is a guy who has been as, as plagued as Plezak has been plagued by poor run support this season. Pablo has been plagued by his whole career with the Marlins. He's been very very solid though. He's got a career twenty five and twenty six record uh, with an ERA of I lost myself three point seven seven. But he had a 3.07 last season. He's got a 3.03 this season and 20 starts. He's 7-5 and five this year. He's got 118 strikeouts and 116 innings. He's only walked 35. He's very consistently the floor of a strong number three starter and has shown flashes of a number two ceiling. And he's not a free agent until 2025. And Miami has already said, everybody not named Alcantara is available. What that price would be, we don't know, but I would really like them to go after him and not Luis Castillo because obviously that price is going to be a bidding war with the New York Yankees and nobody wants to get involved in that. Yeah, so I have Miami's Fangraphs prospect page uh, up right now, and they have no middle infield prospects above high A. So something tells me, like for Pablo... They're going to ask for, let's say, uh, Gabriel Arias. If only there was a team with a bunch right, of middle yeah. infield prospects in the high minors. I wonder. You're cool with that? You're cool with them saying, like, all right, we're going to give up Ryan Rocchio because that's what Miami wants. Like, you're cool with them trading for a starting pitcher, which they have successfully developed over and over and over again for Ryan Rocchio. You're cool with that. It depends on the ask. They may not ask for Rokio. If they asked for Arias and Freeman, yeah, I would do that. It's Rokio or bust, though, Ethan. What do you say? I say yes. I'm okay with it. I'm going to say no because Rokio is on my personal untouchables list. But if it comes down to, like, two middle infielders and they want guys in the high minors, take Tana, take Freeman, take take Arias. Take the easy way out. It's Rokio or bust. I say, I say, personally, I say yes to Rokio because it not only does it, um, one, help the team this year, helps the team in the next couple of years, and also allows you to have that buffer and a higher ceiling on your pitching, I pitching, not prospects, but uh, your starting pitching in the next couple of years. Lopez's floor is probably Zach Plezak's ceiling. On his, on his best day, like yeah. 99th percentile, Zach Plezak is Lopez's floor, and mm-hmm. that allow and that allows you to have that allows you to have give time for Logan Allen and Hunter Gaddis and Espino and Davion Curry and those guys to adjust a little bit more in AAA and and things like that. So I I, I like that deal. I do it if I'm Cleveland if that's the ask, but that's just me. He did just turn 26, and he's one of those guys that he's gone so under the radar until pitching has been so needed on the market right now that he might not be the most expensive thing in the world to re-sign if you find yourself in a position needing a free agent pitcher when his contract expires. So there's a lot that I just really like about Pablo Lopez aside from his game, and I think there's a lot there that could benefit Cleveland. 
to be clear, I would not be devastated if they made that trade, if they gave up Rocchio as a headliner in the Lopez trade, especially, well, given that they also then traded like a, a Zach Plesak or Cal Quantrill, because I don't think it makes sense to employ those guys um, and trade for a pitcher. Um, but yeah, I'd still overall just like, you know, there are so many spots on this roster that need short and long-term health. Um, and I just have the most faith that they can make their own pitching. Like, yeah, we mentioned Hunter Gaddis. We mentioned, who else did we mention? Batfield, Curry. Logan Allen, Xavion Curry, Daniel Spino, of course, Gavin Williams. Uh, Suddenly Kim, Tanner Bibby. Tanner, yeah, I think it's Bybee. Tanner Is Bybee. it Bybee? I think it's Bybee. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, and yeah, and there are more. Jack Leftwich, look up his numbers. I mean, he's killing it. Um, yeah, there's so many pitchers, and they've shown such a percent propensity to develop them. I would just be wary of giving up real strong prospects, especially so. I mean, we all love, we all love he's just got such a feel for the game. Um, I would just be very skeptical. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Yeah. Uh, okay, two more segments. Last one that I got. Um, so, favorite fake trades that could be real. Uh, we'll go real quick, and then the last one, I just want to touch on it uh, real quick. So, favorite fake trade, um, obviously... We talked about it last week. I did, at least, with Ethan. Uh, Juan Soto, you had, you know, hey, we got to give up George Valera. We got to give up Daniel Espino. We got to give up Brian Rocchio. We got to give up Steve Kwan from the Major League roster. I'm okay with it because it's Juan Soto. It is two and a half years. I'm okay with it. That's where I'm at. So um, I do really want the Brian Reynolds, uh, David Bednar, mix but uh yeah that's i i, I want to swing for the fences and go for soto um i know that this roster is sketchy at best when it comes to pitching and, and uh sketchy at best sketchy at, at pitching right now but getting soto and, and being able to cheer for him in a guardian's jersey for a couple years that's where i'm at so yeah. mitch what is your favorite fake trade that could be real uh, yes, to be clear, my favorite fake trade is anything that would get us Juan Soto. Uh, Juan Soto would absolutely put asses in seats, uh, which is something that I think Cleveland ownership would appreciate um, because the fans would appreciate it. I mean, he's the best hitter in baseball. Putting that aside, uh, I think Oakland is a really, really like 
perfect trade partner. I've been harping on this all year. Hate to keep doing it, but I'm going to keep doing it. It's Sean Murphy. Uh, Oakland loves to rebuild on the fly. Oakland loves to rebuild quickly. They love trading for high minors prospects or young major league talent, just like the Guardians do. Um, so I could really see Zach Wieskett going there for, you know, the next three and a half years. I could see Oscar Gonzalez going there for the next six years. Uh, I think a package that is headlined by those two and maybe you throw in. Uh, I mean, Murphy is a an elite catcher on three and a half years of control, so you need to throw in legit prospects too. Uh, throw in a triple-A middle infield and Gabriel Arias and Tyler Freeman. I think a, a trade package of Freeman, Arias, uh, Gonzalez, and Plesak could get the job done, maybe plus a little bit more. Um, so that's my favorite victory. I feel like you need to get more on the Cleveland side if you're giving up that many players, but I'm okay with it either way. I can see, I can I don't know that they, I don't know that they get to Montas at that point, but you know. Yeah. No, none of those players matter to the future as much as Sean Murphy would. Sean Murphy makes the team. You can add you can add a Lou Trevino in there. Why not? Sure. Sean Murphy is like a two win improvement the rest of the year this year, and then like he is a traditional four or five win player. You know, like yeah, that is yeah, that's a big, it's a big, worth, it's a big plus. That is worth giving up that kind of call. Yeah, Ethan. Your favorite fake trade that could be real? There's a few different options that you could go here, and I think any, you know, two for package that you could come up with is what would be best for the Guardians in this situation. Uh, a Montas and a Murphy coming back from Oakland for for a prospect package. A Bednar and Reynolds feels like a pipe dream, but would be a lovely one just for the sheer seven and a half years of combined team control you would get out of that. Uh, if you went down to Miami and got Pablo Lopez, you might as well ask about getting Anthony Bass, their reliever, and bolstering your bullpen at the same time. Go out to Arizona, get Zach Gallen, their promising young starting pitcher, and they seem to be rebuilding, and nab Carson Kelly to go with them, an ADWRC plus catcher who is like, he's basically Austin Hedges if you add, took 30% of his defense and added it to his offense. He's not a bad Catcher, he would be a great backup one day if Bo Naylor decides to be ready, but he would also be an improvement right now. But my my absolute favorite fake trade that is never going to happen is the Cleveland Guardians acquiring your favorite prospect, cash considerations, for one Brian Shaw. Somebody please pay us to take him away. <laughs> I'm begging you. This is the, like, honey, you have to stop drinking Starbucks. We're broke. Like take the take the the credit card away from Tito. We have too many Amazon packages on our front porch. So sorry, I couldn't hear you over the entire city of Cleveland standing on its feet and applauding. Yeah, I'm good for my soapbox at least once a month, and th this is me just absolutely getting up here and and saying I want your vote. It, the the benefit of hindsight is 2020, but something about this last month and. Tito's pitching usage, especially his overuse of Brian Shaw, has been not great to watch from a fan standpoint. Obviously, the analytics yeah. are telling him one thing, and Shaw's his workhorse, but that ship has sailed, and it's time to give it a Viking funeral. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think, uh, as Mitch said, most of the city of Cleveland that follow Guardians, uh, Guardians would, would agree. So we'll send you out with this one, guys. Uh, what is your favorite trade? made by the Indians franchise. Uh, and I can say Indians because it actually is the Indians franchise. So I listed quite a few, and I I forget who who wrote it, 
but there was a piece a couple years ago where they had like trade trees where you can like connect players, this player from this player, and you got this player from this player. Um, so I listed here starting out, obviously the big one, Martola Cologne, you got Greedy Sizemore, Cliff, uh, Cliff Lee, Brandon Phillips, um, uh, CC Sabathia for uh, Michael Brantley and Ryan Carco, uh, Cliff Lee, you got Cookie Carrasco, as well as other th- pieces. Uh, Casey Blake for Carlos Santana, Jake Westbrook for Corey Kluber, uh, Sin Chu Chu for Trevor Bauer and other pieces. Then you sent Trevor Bauer out for Fran Mil Reyes. Uh, Vinny Pistano for Clevenger, Clevenger for half of the Guardians roster as it stands, uh, or the Lindor cookie trade for Andres and uh, Ahmed. So out of these, obviously, um, there's a lot. And like I said, I, I always enjoy the like, now that we we, I've, I've, we all have been uh, Indian slash Guardians fans long enough to see the second trade of the guy that we acquired. Um, but uh, Ethan, who is your what's your favorite trade uh, made by the organization? You're... It's currently Mike Clevenger for half the roster, and it's not just because of the way you worded that. I do absolutely adore that wording <laughs> because it's not untrue. But I'm the youngest guy on this podcast, and it's not like I'm super super young. I'm turning 28. But I grew up such a baby. I remember when I was 27. You're such an accomplished farmer for being so young. Can I make my point now? Yeah. I grew up watching Grady Sizemore, Cliff Lee, Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips with the Reds. Obviously, Cleveland flipped him before he did much more than a couple of games as a rookie with Cleveland. I didn't understand at that time the machinations that brought those guys to Cleveland. I just knew of those players and they were the first players that I adored as a young Cleveland baseball fan, obviously aside from Tommy and Ramirez and, and those guys, I, I was super young when they were here that I didn't even understand baseball as a whole. It was just, I knew names and they hit ball far, which is sometimes all you need with baseball fans, but Clevenger's trade to bring in Naylor and Gabriel Arias and Cal Quantrill, it has that level of these are pieces to build around that are here for the foreseeable future that are part of that next core that I'm going to root for for some time to come. And it, it has a little bit of that nostalgia feel for me that as I've grown and I've learned the history of the team and how and why Bartolo was dealt for Grady Sizemore and Cliff Lee and what those guys accomplished with a Cleveland uniform on. It's something that just looking on it now and seeing how young Naylor is and what he's doing at such a young age and what he could be there's just a bit of that nostalgia that's really got me pulling through that this is going to be a trade that solidifies the team for the next five, six, seven, eight years. Sure. Mitch. Yep. Uh, my, my favorite trade is more of just like, I think like the most impactful trade is probably this, that Clevenger trade or Cologne for Grady Cliff Phillips. Like that's a classic. Uh, but I think the trade that is m- most emblematic of like Cleveland's front office um, is the Vinny Pistano for Clevender trade. I think it's funny yeah. that we're going for Clevender trades. Uh, but yes, you trade a guy who like 
was a relief pitcher, flash in the pan, Guardians knew it, rest of the league didn't, let's trade while his value is at its highest, and, uh, you know, let's go for this guy who, you know, it seems like he's got a funky delivery, very deceptive, he can throw pretty hard, like, he just hasn't put it all together yet, and guess what, that's exactly what this front office and player development system is really good at doing, Um, so I just love, um, like, like the, the the Vinny Pistano for Mike Clevenger trade is kind of like a microcosm of this team at large. And that I think is why it's my favorite. Yeah. Speaking of trade trees, man, the next time you see Vinny Pistano, give him a handshake and say, Hey, thanks for Josh Naylor and Cal Quantrill. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, sure. So uh, my favorite and uh, it's off the beaten path, but I will always, 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 it was probably the, one of the things that, started getting me into the the backside of trades and things like that was actually the Casey Blake for Carlos Santana trade simply because Cleveland was able to get a prospect like Carlos Santana because they were willing to pay it was it was so off of the beaten path from Cleveland they were willing to pay the full salary of Casey Blake to get the better prospect of Carlos Santana from the Dodgers Casey Blake, when he got dealt in uh, 2008, was a 2.3 win player, F4 player, uh, had 2.9 in uh, 2007. Um, but he was 34. He, was, he wasn't anything ever really great. In 2009, he did have a WRC plus of 120. He had 4.5 uh, F4. But at that point, he was, he had pretty much, you know, was pretty much done. And Cleveland was at that next retool station. Carlos Santana spent most of his season, most of his career with Cleveland, um, had that Philly year, and then obviously with the Royals. But he's a 23.2 FR player over the course of his career. Um, that Philly year had 2.7. So around about the same war as Casey Blake, but just because they were willing to pay the money, they got they got Santana, they got a guy that was a cornerstone of their organization uh, and just really helped reinvigorate the, the rebuild that they were doing. And a guy that um, I think will go down as probably being under, under appreciated from fans because of his batting profile, just so he wasn't, he, you know, they wanted to be a, a average power hitter and he he walked a lot and it was it was just a move that i really enjoy and, and like i said something that brought a, a wave of nostalgia when i thought back to it so um that's where i'm at just getting a little little since i'm the old one here since you talk about ages uh you're turning 28 i'm turning 37 uh in october so um there's almost 10 years in between us so yeah, I've I've spent quite a bit of more time watching these things and 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 having those uh, those moves. But it's it's interesting that both of our picks were uh, building blocks for us to look at the uh, at how we view the organization. So that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Good job, us. Good job. But we're ending it on a on a nice, warm-hearted moment. Wholesome. I'm patting myself on the back right now. Everybody right. loves a dose of nostalgia. <clears throat> everybody loves everybody loves some some wholesomeness. So, all right, guys, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we are uh, gonna go into 
uh, Twitter mode. We're going to put Jeff Passon on notifications on Twitter. Uh, get ready for Zach Meisel to drop a, uh, a bomb on uh, the Juan Soto trade that's coming. Um, it'll be Cleveland because manifesting. Um, probably not, but anyway. So uh, for for Mitch, for Ethan, I uh, I say goodbye. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 